Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 334 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Adam is not here. He is at the uh, Bay Area Book Festival. This is also the third time I've actually done this intro because I'm having issues this morning. Clearly, I need more coffee. Um, Okay, so Adam's not here. It's just me. Um, If you were at the Bay Area Book Festival, I hope you stopped by and said hello. Probably nicer weather than we're having here in Cleveland because as I'm recording this, it's all foggy and rainy and just not fun. Today's episode is an interview I did with Kim Michelle Richardson about her book, um, The Book Woman of Troublesome Creek. It is about... um, the blue-skinned people of Kentucky. Uh, it's a novel, but um, it's the blue-skinned people were real. Um, so it's historical fiction about the blue-skinned people of Kentucky who lived in the Appalachian Hills and the uh, Kentucky um, horse pack librarians who rode horses up into the hills of Kentucky. So it's a really interesting story, um, and Kim... Uh, talks a lot about her research process and how she sort of found out information about this and um, all that went into writing her book. And I will warn you, this was recorded at ALA Midwinter way back in January, so it was a couple um, months old. There's some background noise that I've tried to minimize as best as possible, but with these sorts of things, there's only so much I can do. So that's just a warning. That's what happens with these um, interviews when we do them in person at trade shows. I will also warn you that um, when we get to the Nerd Nine, Kim mentions a book that, a book and an author um, that has been in the literary news, so to speak, over the past couple months and was pulled from publication. And um, earlier, the day before I interviewed Kim, I had interviewed the author, so um, about the book. so that gets mentioned, but that interview is not coming because the book was pulled from publication. So that's just a that's just a warning there, a disclaimer about um, a book that Kim mentions later on. Uh, I think that's everything. Um, okay, if you want to get a hold of us, as always, you can go to our website, professionalbooknerds.com. We are on Twitter and Instagram at probooknerds. You can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. I made it through. Third time. Third time recording. Made it through. So I hope um, y'all had a nice weekend. It's Monday. Let's go do this thing. And I hope you enjoy this interview that I did with Kim Michelle Richardson on the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Hi everyone, this is Jill and with me is Kim Michelle Richardson. She's the author of the best-selling memoir, The Unbreakable Child, a book critic, book critic for the New York Journal of Books, and the founder of Shy Rabbit, a writer residency scholarship. Her latest book is The Book Women of Troublesome Creek. Kim, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. 
having me. So can you give our readers a brief introduction to The Bookwoman of Troublesome Creek? It's inspired by the brave pack horse librarians of Kentucky, the people that, women that rode up into the mountains and delivered horses, and the factual blue-skinned people of Kentucky. The pack horse librarians uh, rode the hills of Kentucky from 1935 to 1942 under Roosevelt's New Deal program. And the blue-skinned people are the factual people that lived in the eastern part of Kentucky, down around Cutchin, Troublesome Creek, and uh, Hell for Certain. And uh, they had a rare gene that and, uh, their, their blood didn't get enough oxygen. And so it was called methemoglobinemia, which was, um, it wasn't, congen- it was an inherited gene. It caused their skin to be blue. I- I remember we first learned about um, the blue skin people in my science class in high school. Mm-hmm. And it's just so fascinating, but I think it's one of those things not a lot of people know about. So I'm 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 glad that um, you're you know, they're covered in the book because I think it's an important part of our history that not everyone is aware of. And, and not everyone is the same. Yeah. And just because you're unique or different, you shouldn't be discriminated right. again. Or like the blue skins were pushed so far back into those hills and the tree thick hills, whereas other people on those hills, not so, but they were pretty much suffered, you know. And of course, we have these pack course librarians, which is just incredible. Incredible. Yes, yes. Uh, I'd like to read a little something about that. Of course, please. It was taken off of a 1935 photo caption in the newspaper, and it says, Down Hell for Certain Creek, they start to deliver reading books to 57 communities. That's a Red One 1935 newspaper caption underneath a picture of writers. The intelligence of the Kentucky Mountaineer is keen, wrote a contemporary reporter. All that has ever been said to him about it, him, to the contrary, notwithstanding, is honest, truthful, and God-fearing, but bred to peculiar beliefs, which are the basis of one of the most fascinating chapters in American folklore. He grasped and clung to the pack horse library idea with all the tenacity of one star for learning. And that's pretty much what happened there and pretty much what takes place in my novel. And how did you come across this story of um, the pack, you know, the Packers Library? I've known about them always. They've, they were only given this real tiny blip in history. and But just recently, over the last six years, I started collecting information and researching and everything. And the more I learned, I'm like, why are these fierce, brave women only given this tiny footprint in history you know you know they did some pretty bad things uh so what was the research process like then if there is so like this little blip in in our history did you have trouble finding information about them um well i just first too i wanted to make sure and see if anybody else had written about them and i found two gorgeous little children's books about them and I grabbed them up and looked and and then I'm like no novels they were nowhere in a literary novel and I'm like why not these are the bravest people I mean 
up the hills and you know during the most bloodiest era of Kentucky mm -hmm. history during the coal mining war you know they were taking books up and these people did not trust them and they didn't want them government books on in their homes you know and so it was a a brave thing and they turned it that they just became the most beloved people, you know, and I think they ended up serving 600 to 800,000, you know, mountain people, you know, and, and they were just became... That's incredible. Yeah, it, it was a process, you know, those mountaineers weren't, they didn't care about reading really until their sons start going to war, you know, well, they had to learn a little bit, you know, and but those government books, uh-uh, you know, no. And uh, a lot of times, their kids were not forced to go to school or anything because laws did not reach them. They had their own laws, right. you know. And somebody writing a paper says, your kid's going to school and reading. Well, that never reached the Kentucky man because there's no way to really yeah. reach, you know, except for missionaries and people. And what was your research process like for the blue skin people? The blue, the blue skin people, it started out, I was talking to hematologists, mm -hmm. visiting doctors, and um, finding out, you know, understanding it a little better. And the basis of that is your blood is not, their blood was brown, and it wasn't getting enough oxygen, which turns the skin. Okay. So it, I had to educate myself on that and then started doing research. And then I saw online the terrible things people would call them, the names. And well, that just, that broke my heart. So, and uh, so I had to educate and um, I, I just, uh, the more I learned about it and then learned our laws in Kentucky where, you know, in 1942, we stopped allowing first cousin marriages in that, and the blues were accused of incest, which is not necessarily true at all, but again, everybody else in Kentucky and every state around, you know, I think, I don't have my stats in front of me, but only so many states allow marriage of first cousins, and I think it's New York. California. Well, anyways, Kentucky banned it for selfish reasons in 1942 because the Ku Klux Klan said, no, we want to keep our race white and strong. Right. And then here comes uh, the feuding Hatfields and McCoys. Oh, no, no, no. You know, we need, if one would marry into another side, it would make their clan bigger. Right. And then, and then um, so there's a lot of selfish reasons going on there. You're, I mean, you're from Kentucky, and it sounds no. like... No. <laughs> no, I don't mean, <laughs> I mean it like yeah, that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I, 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 you seem very proud to talk about Kentucky, and sort of, it seems very important to you with this book to sort of share this history, which I think is really a wonderful thing to do as a writer, to have that opportunity to talk about these pieces of history that a lot of people are not aware of, especially if they're not from Kentucky. Well, first of all, you got one great thing, you've got librarians, you know, right. and as, you know, growing up in, in an orphanage and later as a foster kid, um, you know, as a teen and walking into a library and 
one lonely summer with five. Yeah, they were, you know, a lifeline for me. But uh, then to find these women, um, is it was just amazing. They, it, that they, I just wanted to be a pocket <laughs> woman. I still do. I yeah. would do it as yeah. old as I am. It is exciting. But, um, yeah, I'm proud. I, I, I feel so privileged that I get to tell their story, whether good or bad. I get to shine a light on them. So feel so honored. Like, brings joy. No, I, I agree. And I think it's, I think that speaks a lot to the power of books. Yes. You know, and being able to, as you said, put a spotlight and, and talk about this. Um, it's helping new audiences discover their stories. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, um, when you were growing up, what kind of books did you like to read at the library? Well, I, you know, I thought Walking Nature wasn't my, much of anything, you know, because, you know, you had, you're growing up with 300, 400 brothers and sisters, and right. there's, you know, they're not going to give you too much. But, um, I don't know. I just uh, I like Charlotte's Web. I just thought that it was fascinating. How start out with an ox and you know, just it's all magical and things like that. But I like everything. I'm like with my music. I go across all the, the whole board. Things. Were you a big reader when you were? Yes, if I could get a hold of books, and I wasn't trying to because I was homeless at 14. If I wasn't trying to survive. I did preach, but I, I had to live a yeah. little bit. I'm curious how you got into writing. I mean, were you always a writer then? Well, in the orphanage, I, w I remember my grandmother sending stamps, and um, I never got them. She would ask me once, you know, if I'd see her once a year, she'd come and visit. But, um, on Sundays, they let us watch Walt Disney, and they had a lot of these Shirley Temple films in the Walt Disney. I started writing to Walt Disney himself. So cute. Um, to ask him to be my father and come get me. And it was just, I, I would make my own envelopes and give it to the sister, and I, I knew they were shredded. That, But I wrote him every week, because every Sunday you got to see him, and I wanted to go live with him. So, but I, then I like poems and you know, the white and the songs and things like that. So when you were doing your research on the, uh, the Pack Horse librarians, I'm still fascinated by this entire idea of these, like, as a librarian, I'm like, wow, that takes, that's a lot of work. I mean, the, those are dedicated women to, to do that as a, For $28 a month. Of course, that was a lot. And you, yeah. the Pellegra, you know was running rampant, the starvation, the, the hunger. That was the, the biggest thing they faced was that. It wasn't really so much disease. It was hunger killing the Kentucky man and woman. You know, it, it was not good. In your research on them, was there anything you found that was just really surprising to you? The Pack Horse Librarians? Yes. You know, I, I, I just thought it was awful that they got paid so little and they had to supply their own books. Oh. But I love that they started, uh, uh, the librarian, Nesifer, uh, Nosifer, started the Penny Fund. She was really interesting. I didn't go much into her, but she found a way to get these books to the, you know, remote librarians. And they got them through Boy Scouts, and it was fascinating. It's a big group effort then mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. getting these books. Yeah. 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 
Um, I, yeah, I just can't stop thinking about it. Like, it just sort of is just... <laughs> Get on a horse, ride on these books. I mean, it's just my. I'm sure there's a lot more stories to be told, you know. I know. I just I think it's an honor, you know, and I, I know people are going to start putting them in novels. Yeah, I, I, I deserve that. I know, I know. Yeah, because we're sitting in this big library conference and just sort of thinking about all of the the different types of librarians that are out there and. Um, that's just one that is just incredible to me. And you're just really yeah, brave. And the people were so grateful and humble. You know, they always wanted to give them something, you know, like, you know, a recipe for their, so, so they can make scrapbooks and uh, little books, you know, because they were getting cast offs. And so it was really hard. It, it grew so fast and so popular. It was hard to get their material. As it was, they were getting material that was pretty much tattered cast offs, you know, right. from around the state. So it, it was really, you know, the librarians had to be really ingenious, think of ingenious ways to get more reading material to these people besides Bibles, you know. Right. Right. That was standard, you right. know. So, what for your writing process, because you're um, talking about, you know, real people and events in history, did you have the story all plotted out before you started writing? Do you have an outline? Um, I do not write by outlines okay. at all. It's just, it freezes me and I, you know, it's like I tried to make a speech and it just, you know, but um, I just, I had a story and I got, I got the bones of it and I lived in Appalachia to experience that and uh, for a year until the mountain almost killed me. You know, I fell off the mountain, literally. And my husband's got limes. Oh, am I being... Uh, no, you're fine. I just... I broke my arm. She's on the bed like, I fell off a mountain. <laughs> well, I did and I broke my arm. This is a year and a half ago in seven places. And my husband got limes and the snakes were running in front of us. And the cow. I said, I think we get, need to get back to you know, flat foot of Kentucky. So, what was the question now? <laughs> no, I was just asking if you if you outline your books or... Oh, how did Lord, how did we get there? you got to tap me when I'm doing those things. Okay? It's all right. <laughs> just tell me to shut up. <laughs> no, no, it's wonderful. <laughs> I do, yeah. I just felt like I was talking to you at the kitchen table for a minute. That's okay. That is sort of what we're trying to do here I, with the podcast. <laughs> okay, I get a little carried away and you got to say That's hush okay. It. That's okay. Hush it, hush it. Okay. <laughs> I'm thinking of those snakes. I would go down the steps and they'd be racing across. It was so awful. And he fell. And I'm out. blind, as you know, as I am blind as a bat. So it, I didn't know if a log had fallen oh. at night or something. And I'm racing down, take the dogs out. And, oh, oh, go on. I'm gonna get. <laughs> oh, God, that's so Lord. funny. <laughs> Um, so at the end of all of our interviews, we have something we call the Nerd Nine, which is sort of a okay. quick. I actually uh, I stole She's the lightning round. Yeah, it's like a little lightning round. So don't put too much thought into these. What was the last book you finished reading? Um, a Place for Wolves. Oh, Kasako Jack. I just talked to him yesterday. I was, yeah. The last two nights have been laying in bed reading it. Okay. Favorite place to read? Um, bed. What book made you fall in love with reading? Charlotte's Web. 
did say that. One place you'd like to travel to that you haven't been to yet? I'm a homebody. I'm, I just stay home. I, I, I've sent my daughter every place in the world. I'm, I'm just a Kentucky girl. Okay. Favorite holiday? My birthday. Coffee or tea? Both. Cats or dogs? Both. Favorite food? Uh, bread. <laughs> you could have. I love Good answer. You could have dinner with one person dead or alive. Who would it be? Dead or alive. This was all in my mind. I was thinking about that. Well, I can't think of anybody. I'm going to say. Um, I would like to have dinner with President Jimmy Carter. I think he was the biggest. He is the biggest humanitarian in the world. I just love to sit and talk with him. We could sit at the table and drink tea, maybe go out to his porch there in Georgia. Good answer. Finally, what would you like readers to take away from the book Women of Troublesome Creek? Well, I'm hoping that they take away this that in writing this novel, it was my hope to humanize the blue-skinned people of Kentucky and pray, pay tribute to the fierce librarians of the Pack Horse Project and to write a human story in a unique place and setting so that I feel that knowing one small piece of this earth, the air, the world, the sky, the plants, and the people, and the very air of it, Helps. Let's do that again. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.